Well, welcome back. I haven't done one of these in a while, have I? Wanted to talk a bit about the Canucks. Yeah, I know. I know. So, we've got Vancouver media, well, Matt Sakaris, anyways, saying maybe ownership's changed its mind on Jim Benning. Maybe a banner made all the difference. However, um, I, I'm, I'm of the mind that until I see something change, I'm not really buying into it too much. There's, there's too many press conferences where it, it's clear that, that Benning is still very much entrenched in the job. And the other interesting part to me is this. So we, we may very well agree that, you know, the direction the team is heading in, which some would say is a straight line, um, but <laughs> from one iceberg to the next, uh, the, the direction of the team, it, it's, it's in this, you well, know, it's a spiral from last year. Remember last year when things were were interesting and entertaining, and Markstrom was stealing games, and he uh, kind of stole that first the play in round from Minnesota, and then he stole the round from St. Louis, and then Vegas injured him, and then Demko almost stole the round from St. Louis or from Vegas, I should say. Yeah, good times, and and then reality struck. Uh, and I, you know, I, I understand that people are upset about the Toffoli thing. I'm more forgiving in that Tyler Toffoli, they couldn't afford to keep him anyways. And there, there wasn't the cash there. And the idea that, well, they could have got rid of Vertanen. Yes, they could have got rid of Vertanen. It was clear that Vertanen looked like he was trending down after that playoff performance. But it's possible that management looked at Vertanen's points and goals from the previous season and said, you know what, so he had a rough playoff. We still think he can score 20 goals in a season. And regular season totals would tell you that that's possible. Not that it happened. Not that he got close. Not that he played really well, because he didn't. But it's possible. In the same way that a lot of things are possible. Insert name of whatever ridiculous thing is possible here. I, I look at the situation in Vancouver and I, I find it fascinating because Benning has made some, some really poor moves when it comes to how the money's spent. I, I 100% agree on that. I also, I've done videos on the trades he's made and on the drafts he's made. And he's made some mistakes in both, but he's also had some good results with both. And so it always kind of ends up being balanced. It's the same thing with Bergevin in Montreal. There's, there's always people calling for Bergevin's ouster in Montreal. But when you actually stand back and look at his trades, you look at his draft record, you look at free agency, he's done a decent enough job in Montreal that I, I don't necessarily think he has to be fired unless, and this is the unless, unless there's somebody out there who can do the job much better. And I, I think the only way that I can buy Vancouver making a move is at GM. The only way that I can buy that Mont- the Vancouver's going to move on and Francesco Aquilini's going to come out and say Jim Benning's been relieved of his duties is if there's someone on the horizon who is a much better, in management size, much better candidate for the job. And I don't know who that's going to be. But I don't think that just getting rid of a general manager is the answer unless you have somebody to replace him with who's better. And I, I know I've, I've seen, I always see people online, uh, anybody can be a GM. There's no, there's no talent to being a GM. Anybody can be a GM. And all I say to that is no, because there's more to being a GM than just charts and everything. There's also the, 
personal side of it, which I understand. I understand the personal side of it. There's been complaints about Jim Benning there as well. And the lack of communication with players, which again, during the COVID shutdown, it, it feels like that came up with the Canucks again. That there was a lack of communication from management to the players about what the heck is going on, what's the plan. And then when the plan was revealed, the players basically went, oh, okay, so we're playing all of our games in like a month. That sucks. But, you know, until JT Miller said anything, we likely were just going to go forward with that terrible schedule. And then the NHL went, sorry, we'll delay it a couple of days and give you a schedule that's almost as bad. Which I understand where the NHL is coming from. They have certain TV dollars. They have contracts that they have to, you know, uphold and keep in place and all that. But... As players, you want a general manager you feel is on your side, and you need that personal touch. This is where the much maligned Kyle Dubas comes into the into the equation. Kyle Dubas spends a bunch of money, right? Everybody piles on Kyle Dubas. What a fool! Look at all the money he threw at at Tavares, and all the money he gave up front for Nealander and Marner and Matthews. And this is just ridiculous. Look at all this money. How's he going to put a team together? What he's done is he's he's won these guys over, so he doesn't just give them money. Now, you give someone money, they're going to like you. Even if they don't like you, they're going to be like, I, I can't stand your face. You giving me $20? Well, that helps. I still don't like your face much, but thank, do you have another another $20? All right, 40 bucks. Sure, yeah, no, I, all right, cool. You want to come over, hang out? So, uh, and if you just keep giving people money, odds are they'll probably hang out with you. They're not your friends, though, if you have to continually give money to people to hang out with you either you might be committing prostitution uh you might get charged with soliciting at you know even if it's accidental my girlfriend's great she just have to pay regularly for her to hang out with me that that might that might be what that is but what happened is that at least to me on the surface with the leafs He's fostered this feeling that the Leafs have this this family atmosphere, right? And I think a lot of that is still left over from when Marlowe was here and Mar here with the Leafs. And Marlowe was, you know, taking guys like Matthews and Marner under his under his wing. And he's always made sure that he's had the veteran guys. This year you've got Spezza, who's still a holdover from last year. You've got Thornton. And you've got all these guys to come in on cheap contracts because they're buying into what you're selling as the general manager. They are willing to take less money from you than they might somewhere else. And so that's something that Vancouver doesn't have. Vancouver has some, some very good players, and I think their bottom six is overly ridiculed. I think it's better than people give it credit for. But it is overpriced. It is definitely overpriced. And so, to me, that's that's the big part of the issue is you've got Jim Benning, who says, I will give you $3 million a year to come play for me. And whether it's Jay Beagle or Antoine Roussel, they go, great, can't wait to join the team. You've got Kyle Dubas going to guys and going, I will give you $800,000 this year. But look what I've built. You have a chance to win a Stanley Cup here. You have a chance to win. And I'm good with guys. And he can he can get players to call. You can get Mikheyev to call. You can get almost any player in the Leafs to call players who are free agents or available and kind of woo them and go, hey, it's great in Toronto, man. The, the, the boss listens to us. We, we have some say in what happens with this team. And not too much, but we have some say in what happens to this team. And things are going really, really well. 
And so you have that that culture of 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 winning and being able to keep winning that I I don't think we've we've had in Vancouver for a very 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 long time. To me and I'm trying to think back like even in the early 2010s, okay, when the Canucks were one of the best teams in the league and there were some guys who were coming to Vancouver that might otherwise have said forget it 10 years earlier. But I, I don't know that the contracts were necessarily cheaper than they otherwise would have been. The the contracts were uh, still pretty high. When you look at guys who got re-signed by Gillis, they didn't generally give a big deduction to the Canucks. And, you know, there were veterans here and there. But where's where on the Canucks is a guy like, for instance, in the early 90s, there was Ryan Walter. Ryan Walter comes in. He's not going to play every night. They knew that right off the hop before he got on the ice. They knew he was going to play sparingly here and there. Fourth line center, but leader, right? Vocal leader on, off the ice. And they needed that. Randy Gregg came in. Same thing. Randy Gregg was definitely a guy who, and I remember when the Canucks got him, and it was when the, when he was on waivers from Edmonton, he said, please don't pick me up because I'm, I'm in Edmonton. I've got a doctor's office here. I've got my practice. I'm not moving. And the Canucks went, that's great. And then they claimed him on waivers. And I believe it was a full year before he actually came over and played for Vancouver. But what Vancouver did, as hilarious as it was at the time, was really smart. They got that player who shepherded along the other players in Vancouver and made the Canucks better. And he didn't have to be on the ice all the time. When I look at what Benning's done with the team... A lot of, lot of players, some of them big names, some of them guys who were big names a while back. Yep, you've got guys who've got Stanley Cup rings from, from Washington, and, and you've got that, and that's important. But I, I don't see the kind of team building that we see elsewhere. And it, it kind of feels like he fills these spots in the lineup and then goes, well, that's done. Good, I'm glad that's done, and moves on to something else. So when that spot in the roster is not working and another GM might come back and go, I have to make some hard decisions here. The Canucks, it feels like, are just saying, well, no, we're happy with, with what we've got. We already, we already have these guys signed, so we don't need to replace them because we, we believe this will just turn itself around. And again, they don't have that voice like Spezza. They don't have that voice like Thornton. And I, I don't know that the Canucks are a team that will attract that kind of free agent. The idea, and again, this is all hearsay and it's all gossip, but the idea that players talking amongst themselves, agents talking amongst themselves, have this concept of which teams are run poorly and they see Buffalo, Ottawa, and Vancouver as being run poorly. I would disagree wholeheartedly with Ottawa based on what we've seen in the last 12 months. I think they've, they've turned the corner. I think there are a few good players away from... And when I say good players, I'm talking that same thing that Toronto's done with the depth. I think they've got the star star players up front. They need those veteran depth guys to support the kids and help them to start winning on a regular basis, who can help them when they're on a, a cold streak and, and help them out of it. But I, I don't I can't deny that Buffalo and Vancouver are similarly run in a poor manner. It's been it, it's been it's been really rough. It, it's been really, really rough. I I do hope that we see that change. And that's where it comes back to where I started with this. 
do you have to get a new general manager before you're going to be able to get players to sign in Vancouver for less money to play those developmental roles? Because the Canucks have everything right now. As long as Pedersen can come back healthy in October, they have enough good young talent to score goals. They have some good young talent on the blue line and in the net. They've got some guys here. They've got, but they need those veterans to support it. They need that presence, and they need guys who can change the. I don't know if I, I don't know if locker room's the right answer because I I don't I haven't been in the locker room and I I don't like to just treat hearsay as fact, right? But I I don't think the Canucks are as bad as this year would tell us. I think that the expectations coming into this season based on the playoffs were probably a bit high. I think there's still a fringe team that might qualify for a playoff spot next year. They may not. They may be right on that cusp. The problem is, it's Benning's seventh year. And if after seven years, you go from being an iffy team to being an iffy team, that's a problem. And that has to come back on the general manager. It there, There's no way for it not to. But you have to replace him with the right person. Worst case scenario to me is not Benning sticking around. That's not it. The worst case scenario is Benning being replaced by nothing. Or by somebody that we all collectively say who? And is completely over his head, doesn't know what's going on. So I'm hoping that if there is a move made and if something changes in Vancouver, that it's done with some kind of a forethought going into it, that it's not done reactionary. That's why I, I would hope it's not based on fan sentiment. I want the owners to see it for themselves that something has to change. Because if you just make it based on fan sentiment, eh, I, I don't like the sound of it. So hopefully, if the change does come, it's done in the right way. And it's about finding the right person. One thing that always drove me nuts with the Canucks was watching George McPhee go somewhere else. Watching Brian Burke go somewhere else. Watching Manny Malhotra coach somewhere else. Now we've got uh, Alex Burroughs coaching somewhere else. These are all guys who should have hit their peak in Vancouver. Vancouver should have found a way to keep them around. I'll, I'll close on this. It, and it's, it's a Vegas thing where George McPhee was the general manager. Kelly McCrimmon was being offered jobs all over the place. Vegas thinks outside the box and goes, you know what? Other people are going to offer him jobs. We'll make him general manager. We'll give him what he wants. He wants to be a GM. We'll bump McPhee up. But McPhee is still very much a big part of the decisions being made in Vegas. But they also showed Kelly McCrimmon that he's a valued member of, of management. And they rewarded him handsomely. The Canucks just let guys go. Jed Brackett, let them go. Right now, Travis Green, whether you love him or hate him, it just feels like there's another coach. They're just going to let him go. And then you have to find a replacement. So if if you're going to make a change behind the bench, if you're going to make a change in the, in the front office, fine. But have a plan because it can always get worse. Come back to Buffalo. It can always get worse. And, and that's, they've been dealing with this for a decade now in Buffalo, and it looks like it could get even worse than that. You've got Eichel, maybe he wants out, and maybe he needs to be traded to somewhere else. And that could just make it worse for Buffalo. Worst case scenario for the Canucks would be both Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson this summer saying, you know, we don't want to commit long term. We'll give you guys two years, 
three years, or taking a contract that walks them to unrestricted free agency. They just shrug their shoulders and say, well, it's been fun here, but we're going to go ahead and look at being UFAs down the road, and if things don't change, we're going to be UFAs. And that's that's an issue. And, and hopefully for the Canucks, they find a way out of that. They head it off. I don't know how you do it, but you have to sell the players on your vision. And to get there, it kind of has to be a vision. This team never went into a, a full-on rebuild. It, all, it was all an accidental rebuild. They've, they've never saved money against the cap. They've always spent to the cap. They've, they've never been a team that was able to get first-round draft picks because they had all this cap space so they could take on a terrible contract. And they should be. Over the last seven years, that should have happened once. I don't know. Maybe that's a reason to make a change. But anyways, I shall leave you with that. What do they do? No idea. How do you fix it? Find the right person. If if it's Roberto Luongo, then it's Roberto Luongo. If there's some other general manager out there that could turn things around, if they can find like a Lou Lamorello type, an older GM with experience that knows how to make, make moves and make quick uh, alterations to fix things, then do it. But it would be nice if they did it this summer, and it would be nice if they did it because they saw things need to change, not because somebody flew a banner over the city. I mean, the banner, you know, it's nice, and it's great, and I mean, it, it has me thinking, you know, I could fly a banner over the city. What could I fly a banner over the city for? Uh, and, and just goofy ideas basically take over at that stage. But we'll see. We'll see if ownership actually has a, uh, an appetite to change things or if we're going to be told, yeah, no, Benning's sticking around for another couple of years. We're going to stick with Green for another couple of years, and we're going to give bridge contracts to Pedersen and, and, and Hughes, and we're going to keep kicking the can further down the road. And, yeah, we'll see how the fans react to that. I would expect that if we're able to have fans in, in attendance in the fall, either full or 75% or anything, they won't have a problem selling out tickets. The idea that this market won't support them after not being able to go to hockey games for over a year, not a thing. But I don't know how long they'll sell out before fans say, you know what? Maybe we'll do something else tonight. All right. There you go. All set. Uh, thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. And apologies that I don't do these more often. I'll try. Now that the regular season's winding down, I will definitely try. All right. Back to taking notes on Toronto and Winnipeg and seeing if Winnipeg can turn this disastrous run they've been on around in a game that doesn't mean anything. But at the same time, it kind of feels like it does for Winnipeg because they have been on a skid. Talk to you guys later.